Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. for your presence here. And um, we're so thankful that your presence is everywhere. But ooh, we're so grateful when we, we can sense the manifestation of your presence. I thank you that right while people are um, sitting in this service today, that things that have bothered them through this week, or maybe they even brought to church with them, will melt off like wax melts under fire. I just thank you for the the presence of God that does melt the enemy away and and things that aren't right. And Father, we thank you for your truth and another opportunity to look into it as a family. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that turns the light on so spiritual truths aren't, aren't difficult and hard to understand, but you make it easy for us to see it for us to get a hold of it and to do it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Romans 4, 7 and 8. This is the verse of scripture that we're going to start with today. It says, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven mm. and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will by no means charge with sin. This verse, you can see, is in Romans, but actually, Paul, who's writing to this church in Rome, was quoting from the Old Testament in the book of Psalms. David actually said this. And so he was saying how blessed it is to have your sins forgiven. Tony, when he first was thinking about this particular Sunday and what we would call this particular Sunday, he was giving it the value that he carries of this blessing in his heart. And he said, I believe this is the greatest blessing of all, the greatest blessing of all. And I I would have to agree, for a born-again believer, for a born-again believer, but also for somebody who has not yet come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Forgiveness is a massive blessing. And so we're going to look what the Bible has to say about this particular blessing. And we're looking at the blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness. When we're thinking about blessing and in this whole series, it is not just I give me blessings, give me blessings, give me blessings. But we have to understand and appreciate that God, by just nature of who he is, is a giver of who he is. He doesn't just love and hoard that love. He gives love. He is everything that he is, he gives. And so, uh, for us, do we want to to receive those blessings is actually receiving God, receiving who he is. So it isn't that we're just greedy and want to, you know, want to grab and take and hoard or whatever like that. No, it is an honor to receive more of God. Who would say in here you want more of God? I should probably ask that again because who 
in here would say, you want more of who he is. Absolutely. And so who he is is such a blessing to us. And we're looking at this particular blessing that just flows from him. And see what the word of God has to say. Starting here in Matthew 1 and verse 20, let's look at uh, Joseph, who's going to end up being Jesus' stepfather or earth father. He comes, um, comes to find out that his fiance, Mary, is expecting a child, and it's not his. And you imagine how devastating that would be. It would be a horrific thing to find out about your fiance. And so he's thinking, well, should I put her away, and I'll do it discreetly because, you know, she's a sweet girl. I don't want to shame her. But while he's thinking this, an angel appears to him and says this, As he's considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. An amazing word, an amazing promise here to this man who's going to raise Jesus. But I think it's interesting. It says, call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice that it did not say to, uh, to Joseph that he will save his people from the Roman Empire. Now, if the angel would have said that to Joseph, who has grown up, a Jewish, a Jewish man, grown up under Roman tyranny, the claw, the iron claw of, of Roman tyranny. And Roman was a hard, hard master. And they exacted from their people. They were physically brutal to their people. Anybody who was and had been taken over by this empire. It was horrible. So if the angel would have said, call him Jesus, because he will save his people from Rome. Joseph would have thought, whoa, glory to God, wanting to get out from under that claw. But that isn't what he said, and you know why? There are worse things. There is something worse than slavery. Slavery is bad. Slavery is an atrocity. Slavery is horrible. You're not your own. You can't decide when you're going to sleep, eat, when you're going to get up, what you're going to do with your... Your body isn't your own. Your food isn't your own. Nothing is your own. You have no... Nothing belongs to you. If it does, it can be taken away at any moment. So slavery is terrible. Children that are born in slavery don't belong to their parents. It's, it's just a horrific way. Slavery is terrible. It's unjust. But there is something worse, something worse than crimes against humanity committed by other people who, who hate people. And it's sin. Sin is worse than slavery. Sin 
sin is worse than injustice against innocent people. And the reason why sin is worse is because sin can make a slave out of a rich man. Sin can make a slave out of a free man, a man living in a free country. The si- sin can enslave and does enslave people. So, yeah, he didn't say, I'm going to save your people or my people from Rome. He said, I'm going to save my people from sin. And then, notice he didn't say to Joseph, he goes, um, call him Jesus because, I, uh, because he will give you a castle on the top of a hill. And not only a castle on the top of a hill, call him Jesus because he's also going to give you a yacht in the harbor. And he's going to give you servants. And he's going to give you treasure chests of gold. He's going to give you so many, so much wealth. Actually, there are things better than a castle on the top of a hill. There's things better than a yacht in the harbor. There's things better than treasure chests of gold. And that's a clear conscience. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is better. There are people that live in a castle on top of a hill but are slaves to sin, that have wealth but are poor because of sin. So why is forgiveness the greatest blessing? Forgiveness. Well, uh, forgiveness being a valuable blessing and us perceiving it as a valuable blessing is measured by how much you think sin is terrible. (laughs) If sin is not a big deal, it's like... It's good gravy. It's not that bad. It's not that terrible. Then forgiveness isn't that big of a deal. If sin isn't bad, then forgiveness, uh, who cares? I don't need forgiveness for something that I don't really think is even bad. But if sin is bad, and depending on how bad sin is, then forgiveness becomes as valuable. All right? So let's just see what the Bible has to see. Is sin a big deal? Sin in the, in the Bible, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, um, means to miss the mark. It means some other things too, but it means to miss the mark. And so we have a, 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 a target. And so... On this particular target, somebody didn't quite hit the bullseye, nearly hit the bullseye. But at least they hit the target. Uh, me and um, throwing darts at a board, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't be on an important wall. Because the darts are going to be more on the wall than they are going to be on the board. But at least who's ever doing the shooting here has gotten it on the target. But uh, we were singing this morning that God is perfect in all of his ways. 
Do you know that song came actually from a verse of Scripture that says that, that he is perfect in most of his ways, that he's a good God most of the time? No. He is perfect. Can we just say all? One more time. How, how, how many of his ways? He's perfect and not just, you know, he gives it a go. No, he is absolutely impeccably perfect in all his ways. He's holy and righteous in all of his judgments. And the Bible says that he cannot lie. There is no, in, there's no un, untruth or injustice in him. He's absolutely true. He is light. There's no shadow of turning there, you never have to wonder if he's going to say one thing one day and another day, another day something else. He is perfect, so he doesn't have to change. If he did change, he would not be perfect anymore. We can change, thank God. And by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, we, we are changing. But he is perfect in all of his ways, so what he is who he is, what he says, and his way is perfect. Um, Brother Kevin was using that during, uh, during the offering time from Matthew, the sixth chapter. Righteousness, and that the Amplified brings it out that way. God's way of doing something is right. Everybody has an opinion. Well, I think this is right. Well, I think this is right. Well, God's way is right. And if his way is perfect and ours isn't 10, it's even 9. If his is perfect, then ours. If his is right, then ours is wrong. <laughs> and that wrong can then become greater and greater shades of gray until it ends up being black. All right? So... Sin, sin is a choice against what is perfect. Choosing, choosing, just like Adam and Eve did in the choosing what they thought was right. How bad is, is sin? What is what, what they thought was the right thing to do after God made it very plain? Don't eat of that particular thing that makes you the ruler of your life. They ate of it. Some people say, well, sin's not so bad. I mean, I can understand genocide. I can understand violent crime. I can understand robbery. I can understand that kind of thing being sin, but that's not so bad. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what the sin was that opened the door to sin coming into the whole human race after God had created a perfect world with everything in it perfect, absolutely perfect? Do you know what the sin was that, that opened the door and messed it up? Was it a violent crime? Was it, was it genocide? Was it a horrible sin? It was eating a piece of fruit. Well, I don't think what I do so bad. Well, eating that piece of fruit may not have been murder either. But what he did in eating that piece of fruit made one of his sons kill another son. He opened a bad door with just missing the mark. 
to maybe just nine. <laughs> if it's not perfect, it's sin. It's missing the mark. It's missing the mark. And it requires forgiveness. And you know what the bad deal is? Is everyone has sinned. There isn't anybody who hasn't sinned. Romans 3.23 says exactly that. All have sinned. How many people have sinned? Everybody's sinned. So guess who needs forgiveness? How many people need forgiveness? Everybody needs forgiveness. How bad is sin? It's bad. It is a deliberate choice away from God, like what a, like Adam did. He knew what God's way was, his will was, and he, he did something else. But sin isn't just only a bad choice. Sin can also just be stumbling. Sometimes there can be a temptation or there can be a situation and you just accidentally stumble. Anybody know what it's, it's like to stumble? It's embarrassing. I told the first class, first service about my husband stumbled one time. It was a wonderful story. You should, you should have heard it anyway. Stumbled in, a, stumbled in front of a bunch of Italian girls. Came up with bloody knuckles and a bloody nose and a very, very bruised ego. Well, you would not want to stumble in front of a bunch of kids, a bunch of girls. No way. Nate just laughed, he said. No, stumbling isn't something you do on purpose. But sin can also be just stumbling. But still, it hurts you. It can hurt other people. Sin can also be something you don't even know is wrong. But it still is wrong. Anybody in here get a ticket for speeding in a zone that you didn't know was zoned at a lower speed? I did too. I felt like, and that what they made me pay, I felt like, advance Australia fair. You know, I was helping fund the whole government by what they made me, not really that bad, but anyway. It didn't matter that I didn't know what the speed limit was. Jesus on the cross, what did he say? Father, come, on, come along with me. Father, what? Forgive them for what? So, man, I didn't know what I was doing in speeding, but this was a horrible sin. They were crucifying a, an innocent man. And Jesus said they don't know what they do. They actually thought they were doing right. They thought they were doing God a favor. In the end, they actually were doing a favor. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? The penalty is death. Or separation. Or something in between that makes separation. Can't, can't, can't see because something has come in between. Wages of sin is death. To remove it. What, how do you get it? How do you get it uh, away? How, how do you get by it? How do you get around it? And there, there's no, no way except for the way that God started in the beginning when Adam and Eve did what he said not to do. And there, there was this 
horrible sin in between him and them, making this separation that they felt and they hid from him. He, to fix it, had to kill two little animals. Two or maybe even more, because he made clothes. If you were going to wear an animal skin, is it possible to wear them live? Is it possible to attach live animals to you to wear animal skin? No. <laughs> no. To wear animal skin, you're going to have to take the life of that animal. And you think about how, uh, how animal rights are right now. That's just horrible. There's ugly little animals, there's awful little animals, but the animals that were used in sacrifice were sheep. There's hardly another creature, just the most darling as a tiny, innocent little lamb. And God painted the picture that somebody sins and makes death, the only way to remove it or cover it back in the Old Testament was the life of an innocent animal, the blood of the life of an innocent animal to cover. So, let's look at what forgiveness is. It is to forgive, to grant pardon or remission of an offense of a debt. Um, to grant pardon, remission of a debt, or to absolve. Absolve is a lot like the word dissolve, so it just is dissolved. Or to pardon, to release a person from the liability of an offense. That's what forgiveness is. Let me just say what forgiveness is not. It's never been to God. Forgiveness is not this, to God, and it isn't really to real forgiveness. Forgiveness, or God's forgiveness, is not saying that what you, what you did was okay. So in other words, God isn't saying when we've done something wrong, that's okay, that's okay. Now, if it's okay, then why does an innocent animal, I'm talking about the Old Testament, why does an innocent animal have to be killed? If it's okay, it's not so bad. We'll just let it go. Then why did an innocent animal have to be, have to be killed? No, God is not saying sin is okay. What forgiveness is about is to, re to do something about the sin so that God can have fellowship with us. Forgiveness is for us. So, let's look at some of the, the benefits of forgiveness, can we? Some of the benefits of somebody who has received and enjoys forgiveness is a healthy body. Having forgiveness affects your body. Last week we saw how that it consciousness of sin and shame will break down even your physical body, open the door. Jesus, in his ministry, on some occasion, 
For instance, a, a paralyzed man, before he walked up, uh, walked out of that, that paralyzed condition, he said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And because his sins were forgiven, the man just got up healed. Jesus didn't even have to say anything about healing. In the removing of the sin, healing just rushed in. So a lot of times healing and um, healing and health go together with sin being forgiven. Healthy mind, mm, a clear conscience, wow. Forgiveness keeps a healthy mind where a sin consciousness or shame or consciousness of sin that is there in your life can break down, open the door to phobias, open the door to different kinds of things in our life. And shame, shame is a driving force behind addictions, all kind of addictions. It's the ugly foot in, in your back that keeps pushing you to do the thing you don't want to do and dread doing. Shame is that. Shame is, is behind much depression, hopelessness. Shame is behind self-destructive behavior where you sabotage yourself. Shame is an awful thing. And God, knowing this, provided forgiveness all the way back, as we said, all the way back even in the garden where he clothed Adam and Eve with the, the skins of animals. But let's look at what Psalms 103 says. And let's say it all together, can we? Psalms 103, verse 1 to 3. And read it all. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Praise the Lord. And so we see here that one of the blessings that we are never to forget, one of the benefits, the good things that God does, is he forgives. And in the Old Testament, this forgiveness was extended from God by means of sacrifices of innocent animals. That blood was able to cover the sin of the guilty so that God could extend forgiveness. But in the New Testament, I want you to see something because it is a little bit different. In Ephesians 4.32, it says this, Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now look at this last phrase. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Has forgiven. What tense is has? You're right, it's past tense. And so it isn't something that he is doing, it's something he has done. All right? We experience his forgiveness in our lives on a day by day basis, but he forgave us in the past. 
When did that happen? He forgave us when Jesus was a sacrifice on the cross. The guilty, uh, our sin, our wrongdoing was dealt with by somebody who had never committed a sin. And his blood, his perfect blood, dealt with that. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, go to this verse. Hebrews 9 and verse 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Having a, a, a conscience that has sin on it, you're, you're thinking, oh, guilty of what you did, of evil deeds. I think about even somebody that um, we've perhaps watched, Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golf players that ever, ever played that game. An amazing golf player. But after sin consciousness for what he did, he was not able to shake that in his conscience. He could never play the game again. He felt he had, he had failed his wife. He'd failed his kids. He'd failed himself. He, he failed his dad. He failed, he failed golf. He couldn't play. Where it comes to serving God, where it comes to doing what God has made you to do, the devil knows that a consciousness of sin held in your mind will keep you from doing what you're made to do, what he's given you gifts to be able to do. A sin consciousness or guilt or shame in your mind makes you act weird. I don't know if you can pull up that, that video. Can you do that? And we'll look and see how shame even affects, um, affects animal life. And then we're going to go on to, okay, let's, let's look at while this. I was out, you may have seen this. Somebody got into the kitty cat treats. Now, Look at the suspects. Suspect number one. Is it you, Macy? See your face. Did you do this? Did you? I don't think you did. Number two. Did you do this? Denver, did you do this? Denver, was this you? Denver, you won't look at me. Did you? What? Denver, did you do this? Look at me. Come here. Let me see. Let me see your face. Oh my goodness, Denver, you didn't. You, you did this? You got in the kitty cat's treats? While I was gone? 
Are you sorry about it? Okay. You know the routine. In the kennel. Go on. Very disappointed. You're in the penalty box. <laughs> okay. Did you hear that? He said, you know the routine. <laughs> Denver didn't do that just one time. What shame does and a consciousness of sin does is it makes sin a revolving work in your life. It'll keep it happening and keep it happening. There has to be something that breaks it. And divine forgiveness does. Divine forgiveness. So let's look and see. What, he, what Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and uh, verse 14 continues to say, because it deals with our conscience. Yes, the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience, but also by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. Unlike an animal that was sacrificed, an innocent animal sacrificed for Guilty people. Look at verse 28 of that same chapter. It says, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Go to the next chapter, Hebrews 10 and verse 11 and 12. It says, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sin. It could cover them, but it couldn't take them away because that blood doesn't have, animal blood doesn't have the power to remove sin, only to cover it. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about it in the Old Testament. When they did a sin, when they committed a sin, they'd have to bring an animal because they were guilty. And they'd have to bring an innocent animal to cover that sin. And they'd see an innocent animal being killed because of what they did. That wouldn't make you feel really good, wouldn't it? Don't you think that would even crank up the, the, the shame? I mean, you already feel bad for what you did. And then an innocent lamb has to die because of what you did. And so what the, the Bible in this verse and other verses said, it, it, it just made shame worse. Those, those, those sacrifices in the Old Testament reminded them of their sin, reminded them of their inability to stop it. But look at this. Those were committed again and again. But the high priest, our Lord and Savior, made one sacrifice for all time, and the power of his blood doesn't just cover, it has the power to cleanse sin completely away, and not only that, clean your conscience from the stain of that sin and the weight and the guilt of that sin. Are we thankful for the blood of Jesus? 
It's not even Easter time, but aren't you thankful you can experience, you can experience forgiveness of sin any day of the week? Why? Not because you bring an innocent animal, but because Jesus has made a one-time sacrifice 2,000 years ago at any time you can receive what he loaded us with, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness from God is like an ocean. It's like an ocean of mercy. And so, Jesus Supply this forgiveness. You don't have to beg for forgiveness. Anybody in here ever beg for forgiveness from somebody, a friend, a loved one? Please forgive me. Maybe even with tears, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And depending on how many times you had to ask for forgiveness of the same thing or not, they just like, Or maybe they say, I forgive you after you prove. Did anyone, I won't even have you raise your hand on this. Not just have somebody say that to you, but you actually said that to somebody. Yeah, I'll forgive you after you prove that you won't do that again. So what happens because of our interaction with other humans, we take that and we we put it over on God that God's like that. And so when we commit a sin, we oh, please forgive me, please, as though we're having to convince him to forgive us, to wrench forgiving out of God. That's why we have a beautiful verse of Scripture in 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we... If we confess our sin, or in other words, we, we say we, we need forgiveness. God, even though he has supplied forgiveness for all time, I should, could also say this, has God supplied salvation for the whole world for all time? I'll ask that again. Is salvation free for all humans? Any humans? Can you buy your salvation? Can you get good enough to be saved? No. But is every human saved? Well, there's salvation provided for every human, but not everybody is born again. You must receive what's been paid for. Every person must receive what has been paid for. The same thing goes with, with forgiveness. Forgiveness for all time has been paid for with one sacrifice. So are, are you automatically forgiven? Not automatically. Forgiveness is available for you, but it's not automatic. Forgiveness needs to just be received. What do you need to do to receive it? No, you need it. Somebody who's always defending what they do aren't in a position to receive. Oh, what I did is a little bad. Other people do worse things. Well, you're not a candidate for, for receiving until you, need, you see that you need it. So, the example, and, and Kevin referred to it, but it's much like going to Woolies. 
Why do you go to there? Why do we go to Woolies or Coles or Aldi's? Why is it you go? Because you ran out of groceries. How shameful. <laughs> and you have to go. And you went last week for the same things. And so you don't get out of the car for a while. You stay out in the Woolies parking lot and you get up with courage. I'm so embarrassed to go back in there. I was there last week. I can't believe I'm having to go in for the same thing again. Oh, and that the, cash, the cashier will see me. She, she'll recognize me and she'll say, you were here last week. What do you think? Who are you? No. You come... You come boldly, and so Hebrews gives us this wonderful thing. Hebrews, Hebrews 4 and verse 16 says, Come boldly before the throne of grace, not arrogantly or brashly, but with the same boldness you go to Woolies. Go to the throne room. It has something to give you that Woolies doesn't have, or any other store, or any other friend, or any other place. The throne room has forgiveness, an ocean of it that just keeps coming wave after wave after wave after wave. You ask the question, will God withhold forgiveness from, from me if I've done the same thing more than, more than 20 times? If he did, going back to 1 John 1, 9, he wouldn't be just. To be just, not just faithful, but also just, legal. He must forgive when you come to receive. Not only does he want, he, he's faithful, he wants to. When we're not faithful, he remains faithful. But if you'll come, he is legally just to give you what his son bought and paid for. Jesus in the garden said, Father, oh, I don't want to drink that cup. And his father had him drink it. There is no way that God legally and justly can withhold forgiveness. And you don't have to beg him for it. You don't have to vow, I'll never do it again. There's not that. You say, well, what about, what about repentance? Aren't we to repent? Well, while you're in the throne room to receive mercy, that's, that's free, although it costs God a lot. While you go in the throne room to receive mercy, it also says to receive grace to help you in the time of need. Have you ever gone to Woolies, gone in for one thing, and came out with seven? <laughs> well, while you go in for mercy, it says in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, go in and get mercy, but also find grace to help. Say, grace to help. Grace. And you know what Titus tells us in the second chapter? That grace teaches you to live godly. So you receive mercy for what you did wrong, but you also get grace to help you to think different. So you, there is a repentance. You get a different way of thinking. Go in for both. Praise the name of the Lord. So today, we're going to receive communion and receive forgiveness when we do. Can we? 
Ushers, if you'll come, because God is faithful and he is just. He is faithful and he is just. Think about this ocean and these, this, you can see that's an ocean. If you came into the throne room, it's just like the waves of the ocean of forgiveness, tides over your soul, over your life. Every time you come in, you come in for a, a forgiveness for your sin, like a, a glass, a glass of water. Could you drain the ocean? If you went in a million times in one day, could you drain the ocean? Of course you could not drain the ocean. But what if you went in every day and did that? You still couldn't drain the ocean. There is no way you can drain the ocean of God's mercy. But what the devil will try to do is make you feel bad to go in again. God will never quit forgiving you. Just don't quit coming for forgiveness. Come again. Come again. Come again. Receive mercy. Receive forgiveness. Receive grace to help you. Today we're going to receive. There's been some time, because everybody has sinned, I've sinned. Makes you feel terrible. Makes you act like that dog Denver. If, if humans had tails, many of us would walk with our tail between our leg a lot of times. Around some people, we wouldn't. Then around some people, our tail would come between our legs. Aren't you glad we don't have tails to give away that we're... Mm. Today, today God just wants you to receive mercy. He's also, uh, when we're going to take the cup and the bread, the power of this blood is going to cleanse your conscience if you just receive it. It has power to do it. It has power to do it. The stain and the memory and the torment and the disgust of what you've done where you go, like that, he cleanses it away. Can you believe that with me today? Oh, there's power in the blood of Jesus to save his people from their sins. So when I've dealt with that ugly feeling of, I blew it. And now when I'm just saying that, I, when I woke up this morning, I woke up quite early. And I'd been praying for us. I'd been praying for this service, for who would be in this service today. I woke up with this, that some, some, not just one, but some would be in this service who have been so shocked at yourself that you did some things that you thought you would never do. Yeah. That's why we have such an amazing sacrifice from a sinless one whose blood has power to not only remove that, but to, and you, you receive that, but it also has the power to remove that shock. 
so that you can stand before God and before people justified. Does everybody have communion? Take the bread. Dear Lord Jesus, you were wounded for our transgressions, the innocent for the guilty. You were bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace, the torment of our mind, the guilt and the condemnation that settles in on our brain, that breaks down our mental health. All of that was upon Jesus, who with your stripes were healed. Jesus, thank you. As we take this bread, we're saying, I believe what you did. You, be, you did it for me. I couldn't do it for myself. I'm not trying to prove myself to you today. I'm just accepting humbly what you did for me. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the cup. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the power that's in this blood to cleanse our conscience from anything, anything. It doesn't matter the stain, the power. We don't try to run away from the past. We don't try to want to run away, try to cover it up. We don't try to do that. We just take the blood of Jesus to clean it away. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at raymond.org.au.